And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome, everybody, and here we go. Another week. We are back in the studio after our 4th of July weekend. Glad to have all of you here. My name is Jason Hutt. I am the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi for Me. And we are broadcasting live to Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube, and we've already got people in the chat asking some questions. We've got Keeley there in the chat. We've got uh, Dave in the chat, who's asking, is that a Darth Vader TIE Fighter atop the bookcase? Uh, yes, as in fact, it is. And uh, you can you can see it there. Off to the side of it, here to the right, uh, in the camera frame, that is an original Millennium Falcon. Those are not reproductions, folks. Those are uh, those are the real deal from not ten something to something to something to none of your business. All right, so we are. I mentioned we are live. the uh, The chat is live. If you're with us by Memorex, then uh, you can always leave us a comment. As always, uh, of course, anybody can leave us uh, comments and suggestions by email, live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. And, of course, this show is available as a podcast as well, various different podcast players that you can avail yourself of. Another month. Another month has started. Ugh. Speaking of, since it is a brand new month, uh, the first Monday of the month, which was yesterday, it would have been our money edition, but since it was first, uh, it was 4th of July and we took the day off, we are going to do our money, our money talk edition next Monday. So Dan and Matt will be here next Monday to talk about things financial that probably have a little bit to do with the entertainment business. We may get into a little bit of box office, but there's some other stuff that's going on. I know there's a big economic summit that's going on this week somewhere. Apparently, Rupert Murdoch is supposed to uh, attend, so we might have some uh, might have some news to to discuss coming out of that. And I'm going to apologize right off the bat, those of you who are watching this video, uh, instead of just listening to a podcast, you're going to miss the experience. But apparently, my camera can't decide what white balance it wants to use. So, see there, it just went pink. So we're gonna we're gonna flash back and forth between pink and green today. I guess I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of those days, right? So, anywho, <clears throat> anywho, a uh, couple of programming notes tonight. We are going to have a new Ranker Pet. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be related to Star Wars. And then on Thursday, here on the program, Cameron Pasha will be back. He has uh, he has temporarily suspended his uh, YouTube sabbatical. 
and uh, uh, he's been over on uh, on Carrie Smith's channel. He's been on Midnight's Edge, and so he's going to be here on Thursday, and we're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel, which uh, Mrs. Boss and I started watching over the weekend. It's not bad. It's not bad. I'm enjoying it. Um, I have some technical quibbles uh, as far as uh, as far as the delivery of the product goes, but that's a that's that's me that's me knowing too much about the process and inside baseball and all that other stuff. So so that's coming up on Thursday. Cameron will be here, and uh, we'll talk about that. And I'll give you a heads up. So far, and we're, we're only two episodes in. There's only four out there right now. But so far, the show doesn't feel woke like everybody was, was complaining that, w- that it would be. And I'm starting to think that that's kind of a knee-jerk reaction that a lot of the people in the fandom are having these days just because. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit before, but that's not going to be the thing uh, that we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about, well, let me let me back up on that, because the wokeness of Disney and Marvel, Disney, whatever, may come into play in this conversation a little bit today, but not with regard to Marvel. And, and it's going to be one of those things where we're looking at the success of the Minions. And, and they are laughing all the way to the bank, ladies and gentlemen, because they made a lot of money this weekend. Broke box office records. And I tell you, it's it's one of those things where the Walt Disney Company has got to be sitting there going, what happened? They have to be shell-shocked. What happened? What happened? Because here it is, deadline, Minions, Rise of Gru, record, 125 million plus Independence Day opening, fueled by $285 million promo campaign, biggest ever for the franchise, so we've got an update here. Monday morning, Illumination Universal's Minions The Rise of Gru clinches an Independence Day four-day opening record of $125.1 million. The movie's success this weekend should come as a reminder to many executives, both motion picture and streaming, as well as Wall Street, about the power of the big screen. That's not going to be the lesson they learn. That's not going to be the lesson they learn. All right, I don't know. It looks like we're going to be buffering. Let's watch the box. I think I might do a, I might do a little bit of a, I might, I might throw a camera over there. So we can watch our internet box fail. The brand new, only a week and a half old internet box. We'll watch it fail every single time. So I can document it and take it back and say, this is piece of junk. Planned obsolescence, ladies and gentlemen. Technology is driven by planned obsolescence now. We don't invent the thing in order to improve it and make it work better. We, we change the thing so it breaks and you have to go buy a new one all the time. It is a 
failure on the part of business. Stone Martin Weasels, yes. Oh, Stone Martin Weasels. <coughs> so anyway, okay. So back back to the article here on 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 deadline. Rise of Gru's three day uh, of 107 million is the second best ever for a Despicable Me million uh, Minions franchise or Illumination Entertainment movie after Minions 115.7 million start in 2015. The four day take is now second best after Minions 128.7 million. Still fantastic despite slightly lower estimates today as movie going recedes due to families making time for the Independence Day holiday. So, the box office on this is pretty good. And the ratings, I mean, the, you look at the you look at Rotten Tomatoes, which I know is compromised, but still this is this is something that normal regular everyday people will look at as it means something to some. 72% critic rating, 91% audience score. But I will point out that Lightyear has a 75-85% mix on the Rotten Tomatoes stuff. So your mileage may vary. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, with the if the Rotten Tomatoes stuff is is good, it doesn't necessarily mean the movie is good. It just means that the people who have actually gone and watched have uh, have taken the time to to put in a rating, but uh, that's not reflected in the box office because if you look at the box office for Lightyear so far worldwide, 188 million, and. That's not good. And you have to look at the, uh, the success of Minions, which right now so far is sitting at 218 worldwide in just the weekend. Lightyear is at 188 worldwide after two weeks. And... Top Gun Maverick over the weekend, Fourth uh, of July, only dropped nine percent week to week. So last week we had Paul DeGarabedian on here from Comscore, and we were talking about the failure of Lightyear. And one of the things that Paul wouldn't wouldn't commit to, because I I get it, he's he's in a particular box when it comes to what kind of analysis he does at Comscore. All right, I'm not I'm not going to say anything negative. Paul does his job, and this is what he does. But there has to be an acknowledgement here that the agenda, the political agenda, the ideological agenda, the woke agenda, the progressive politics agenda that Pixar was screaming about doesn't play. It doesn't play in flyover country. It doesn't play with families. Because we were sitting there saying, you know, when, when Lightyear failed, everybody was like, oh, families aren't ready to go back to the movie theaters. Well, this says different. This number here, this $218 million worldwide, that says different. And $125 million of that is here in the United States. People are ready to go back. They just need something to go back to. 
something that's worth their time, something that the audience deems is of value. <laughs> Death Angel Shadow says, I'd, I'd like to see the new Minions, Minions movie, but preferably without a theater full of screaming kids. You know, I, <clears throat> sometimes screaming kids are kind of fun, right? In a step-on-the-Lego type of way, maybe? Dave says, a dark cloud is hovering over Emeryville, California, home of Pixar. Now, here's my question. Now that Bob Chapek has his three-year extension, well, actually, it's really a brand-new contract. Do they sell Pixar? I mean, I expect the axe to swing and a number of people are going to either leave or get fired. But, does Disney sell Pixar outright? I don't think they're at that point yet. But don't think it hasn't been discussed. If I'm a smart person, and if I'm on the board of the Walt Disney Company, and my company is hemorrhaging money, I'm going to start looking at things that I can divest myself of in order to save the company. And the Walt Disney Company is much more than just a couple of movie studios. Remember, they're driven more by parks and real estate than the movie studios. Because they can license all of that. <clears throat> well, at least for now. At least until they lose the copyright. We'll get into that here in a minute. So there's been all sorts of analysis here and people talking about what it is and why it is and everything else. And here's a headline from the Wall Street Journal. Minions the Rise of Gru brings families back to movie theaters. Okay. But it didn't... It didn't Lightyear didn't do it. Who knows? Right? Sci-Fi Snob says the kids saw Minions on the weekend said they enjoy it. The Death Angel says I refuse to go to a theater and be insulted, preached to, become disillusioned, and generally have a slimy feeling when I leave ever again. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker was the last straw. Ouch. Wow. Yeah, and look, there's, there's a lot of people that are sitting there looking at things in, in terms of the, the filter... The culture war filter, if you will, the, the, the political filter, the ideological filter, the reality filter. And they're seeing the kind of things that Disney... I think that the failure of Lightyear is a repudiation of certain factions of the Walt Disney Company and their divisions wanting the company to get political. And it's just like what we saw with the failure of Solo, a Star Wars story... <clears throat> after The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi broke the fandom. The Last Jedi created a rift, a chasm, if you will, in fans. And maybe we look at fandom in, as a concept at some point, what makes a fan how do you define a fan because there are some people out there that call themselves fans but they don't act like fans 
And there are some people who are out there who call themselves fans who actually say, you know, they, they are fans and they're very protective of the brand to the point where maybe it's a little off-putting of people who are new to the franchise. And that, that's, it's, a, it's a fine line to walk because are these new fans actual real fans who appreciate the material and the longevity of the material? Or are they new fans coming in and dogpiling onto something and, and say, this is what the next thing that we're going to infiltrate and take over and change? I don't know. Six of one, half dozen of the other. What do you What do you think? Sci-Fi Snob's got a, a good point here. America is 50-50, split 50-50 politically. Why insult half your potential customers? That's something I've been saying for a while. You know, you don't want to cap your market. Not in that way. You don't, you don't, you don't insult and degrade and offend half the people that you want buying your product. It's kind of dumb. But Minions has has really taken off. And this article, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we talked about this on uh, Late Night Culture over on uh, Culture Casino's channel. Uh, was it Night Before Last? This article in Polygon I mentioned, the, I mentioned the copyright thing earlier. This article in Polygon, How Minions Beat Disney at the Copyright Game. And this is, I think, is a, is a, is a, a very important component of all of this. This is Jack, uh, Zach Coaster, Co Zach Coatser, dated July 1st. So this is Friday as we're getting through the opening weekend as this, as this starts up. Subheadline: Minions are practically public domain, and that's made them more popular and widespread than Mickey Mouse. If aliens ever discover our deserted planet at some point in the future, they may mistake the minions for a hieroglyphic language our species once used to communicate. The babbling sidekicks from Despicable Me and its spinoffs can be seen on Facebook, mental health pages, on Instagram posts announcing a baby was born, and on the sides of landscaping trucks. They're on a party supply store balloon displays, bakery chalkboards, QAnon protest signs. By the way, for those of you who are paying attention to this kind of stuff, and I'm not saying I am, but I'm peripherally aware, Q has come back. Just FYI. Of course, some people are not sure that it's Q. <coughs> <clears throat> from the article. Uh, bakery chalkboards, QAnon protest signs, and cannabis dispensary window murals where they all look higher than usual. My roommate brought off-brand, vaguely yellow minion shot glasses home from a trip to the Florida Keys. I do not need an article 20 years from now to warn me that drinking from them may be detrimental to my health. They're clearly unlicensed merch. Compare that ubiquity to how aggressively Disney handles its trademarked characters. In 1989, the Walt Disney Company brought the legal hammer down on three Florida daycares for their murals featuring Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and other Disney characters. Disney demanded their removal. 
Nearly 10 years later, U.S. courts passed the Sonny Bono Act, an extension of various expiring copyrights preventing them from becoming public domain. It was the first of its kind in America, and it's colloquially known as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act due to its greatest benefactor, the company most known for fighting copyright expiration at any cost and defending its brand regardless of public opinion. Now, we saw this when uh, there was was an incident a few years ago. There was a a young boy who passed away, and the family wanted to put his favorite character, Spider-Man, on the headstone. And the Walt Disney Company, which owns Marvel, said, no, absolutely not, and drew the ire of the public because of that. And this, this is one of those situations where Disney, Disney needs to get out of their own way. Disney needs to, to let this stuff happen because it's just like I was talking, we were talking on this uh, on, on late night Late night culture on Sunday. I said I made the point. This is this is just like the the publishers, the comic book publishers, DC Marvel, not going after all of the cosplayers that make money off of their photos and and appearances and whatnot. I mean, you've got so many different people out there that are that are cosplaying characters they don't own. And they haven't licensed, and I'm sure that they haven't paid Marvel or, or DC any fees or any, any stipends or, or uh, anything that would allow them to legally sell photos of themselves in these costumes. And yet, the, you know, the, the comics publishers kind of turn a blind eye to it because it's advertising. And it's advertising they don't have to pay for. And the Walt Disney Company doesn't seem to understand that part of it. These are fans. The fans are promoting that which they enjoy. I enjoy Star Wars. I enjoy Star Trek. I enjoy Battlestar Galactica. Take your pick. Pick your poison. Right? It's one of those things where you sit there and say, okay... This is something that I enjoy. I'm going to share my enjoyment of it. And I'm going to say, you know, wear a costume or wear a shirt that's got Star Wars plastered all over it. Or I'm going to wear a Captain America t-shirt or something that, that says I'm a fan. Well, that's free advertising course if you bought the t-shirt then you've got merchandising fees that's there but if i if i go through the effort of building a a colonial viper pilot costume from battlestar galactica 1978 they're they're not coming after me if they do that's i mean legally they could and you've got all of these fan films that are out there, which kind of got impacted by the Axanar shenanigans. But you still have these studios that are looking at these fan films as like, well, okay, we're, you know, just as long as you don't take it too far. 
And yes, there are porn parodies of all of this stuff, but that's parody and that's protected by, by law to a certain extent. But Disney doesn't seem to understand that when you sit there and, and promote these characters you enjoy, these stories that you enjoy, it's, it's good for them. Kind of. Maybe. Sort of. Not sure. All right. I'm adjusting my camera manually here for just a second here, folks. Do me, do me give me a, give me a, just a quick second there because now, all right, that looks a little, now, now it looks a little yellow. I don't know why it's doing what it's doing. It's annoying, though. That's for sure. Mrs. Boss over there being a little um, smart mouth, but you know that's that's what she does, right? All right. So I'm I I don't know. I this this looks weird I don't know why it's doing what it's doing I was just gonna take the white balance back to auto and see what happens that just looks it just looks strange all right so <coughs> excuse me all right so continuing from this polygon article here uh, that the daycare injunctions were unpopular among Florida locals and Dave, uh, uh, death angel shadows uh, was there uh, lived in Orlando at the time. Uh, Disney's move was infamous, infamous enough to become the basis of a 20, uh, 2008 Simpsons Treehouse of Horror segment where Krusty sandblasts unlicensed images of his face off the walls at Maggie's daycare and dies horribly as a result. Ironically, you can now watch that episode on Disney+. Plus. After Disney struck down the unlicensed Mickeys, Universal jumped at the chance to replace the murals with Hanna-Barbera characters like Fred Flintstone. This was just ahead of the 1990 opening of Universal Studios Florida, where those Hanna-Barbera characters would serve as the park's cartoon mascots. But Universal Studios' current cartoon mascots are far, far more ubiquitous than Fred, and letting creators put those mascots on walls, signs, and indie products has arguably done the studio far more good than chasing down copyright violators ever would have. This is one of those things that the Walt Disney Company needs to learn. And they're not gonna. Is there a possibility that at some point they might embrace fan ambassadors? They might sit there and say, well, you know, you like this thing. You want to tell people about this thing. We'll let you. Maybe. It depends on how many people they fire between now and then who could let that kind of thing happen. But minions are everywhere. And they're not public domain, as this article points out. The minions aren't public domain, but you wouldn't know it by the many ways people have taken ownership of them, and Universal's comparatively hands-off attitude toward minion litigation has arguably paid off by making them as recognizable and culturally front and center as Mickey, if not more so. 
And not only that, but Universal has recognized the Gentleminions. This is a thing. <laughs> I don't understand the thing, but it's a thing. Uh, I, the gentle minions are a thing. We're going to talk about that when we get back right after this. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting from a device built by a teenage genius using leftover parts from an erector set. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. But that's a really good question. That's a great question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. That's been a question I've been asking myself quite a lot. That's a tough question. This is a rough question. That is a that that is a deep question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with a very active chat. A lot of people making some good points in there. If you're with us live, feel free to jump in there. Drop your two cents. Leave a coin for your witcher. I will be your witcher today. Or something like that. <coughs> Alright. So, this... This has become a thing. I'm not exactly sure... I'm not exactly sure how this got started. But apparently, there are some teens and tweens, 20-somethings... Young men who are dressing up to go see the new Minions movie. They are, uh, they are showing up dressed in suits. And Universal actually saw this and posted and said, To everyone showing up to Minions in suits, we see you and we love you. Now, what is this? What is this phenomenon? Variety's got an article here. The rise of hashtag gentle Minions. Why Gen Z is wearing suits to see Minions the Rise of Gru. I have no idea where this started. And, and the article doesn't really get into the very, very beginnings of it. It's uh, people started doing it and noticed other people doing it and suddenly it becomes a movement. <coughs> it's very, very strange. This is J. Kim Murphy on, on the article here, July 5th, the Dateline. Imagine a family outing to the movie theater like any other. A parent drives their kids to the air-conditioned multiplex, shells out some cash for a large popcorn, and corrals their family into the theater. Then an orderly line of 20 or so young men, all uniformed in suit jackets and collared shirts, march into the auditorium and take their seats as the trailers conclude. Then Minions, The Rise of Gru starts. That's the largely innocuous, albeit startling, experience that many moviegoers found themselves having over the past week. After a two-year delay due to the COVID-19 pandemic, <coughs> asterisk, Minions, The Rise of Gru, finally hit the big screen and was met with resounding enthusiasm. Are you paying attention, Disney? 
You've got to listen to this because the end of this article is the lesson Disney will not learn. The Illumination production shattered the domestic box office record for the biggest opening ever over an Independence Day weekend. Audiences turned out in force for the film, but some individuals decided to take their excitement a step above simply rolling out for a screening. A new trend on TikTok and Twitter, we're not on TikTok, never will be, <clears throat> took shape over the past week with groups of young moviegoers dressing in formal attire to attend Minions The Rise of Gru in style. Dubbed with the title hashtag gentle minions, the hashtag has accrued 5 million views on TikTok. We're not on TikTok. Gaining such a level of prominence that Universal Pictures, the distributor behind the Despicable Me spinoff, issued a formal acknowledgement of the trend. Bill Hurst, a teenager in Sydney, Australia, created one of the first posts on TikTok to take part in the trend. Hearst's video, which features a swath of young people in suit jackets moving up an escalator, has accrued more than 8.5 million views over the past week. Okay, if you're going to be you're going to be posting a video on TikTok of you wearing a suit going in going up an escalator and you get 8.5 million views, we're clearly doing something wrong. I mean, we are clearly, clearly in the wrong business here, folks. I've been doing this 33 years now, and I'm looking at this, and I cannot explain to you why TikTok is, is, is such a thing. <clears throat> Maybe it's because I've been doing this for 33 years that I can't explain what this is. And yes, not it could very well be that I tried too hard. I mean, we we are fairly professional-ish here. I try I try to keep things like it's a regular TV channel, TV studio. Maybe I maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I maybe I, who knows? Anyway, continuing here. The Rise of Guru released in theaters in Australia on June 23rd, giving Hearst and company a head start on the trend before the film became available in other territories. Uh, he tells Variety, My mate saw one of the first videos that was quite small at the time. We wanted to do it just for fun. We just chucked on our suits and went straight to the cinemas. It was very spontaneous. We had our formal literally a couple of days before that. We all had our suits ready. So they, they basically had prom. They say, well, we got our suits. Let's just put on our suits and go to a minion prom, I guess. <clears throat> However, this is from the article, Hearst realized that his friend's unassuming act of dress-up was part of a much larger movement upon visiting the theater where the group ran into another sizable band of young people dressed in formal attire. He says there were 15, <coughs> excuse me, there were 15 of us, but when we got there, there was another group of about eight. This was before it actually became a trend, so we were so surprised when we, all saw, when we saw all these other guys there as well. All the people who were just there to watch it were freaking out. You're not used to seeing people in suits at the cinemas. Obi, a teenager from Maryland, had a similar run-in when he joined his friends for a Rise of Gru screening. Quote, I saw a couple of videos of people who'd gone to, the to do the same thing, so me and my friends, we just went to the theater... 
said Obi, who goes by, I, I, he's on TikTok. <clears throat> Everybody's on TikTok. We're not. Everyone was really civil. We just kept mannered and watched the movie. It wasn't until we exited the theater that we saw this other group. It kind of reminded me of the Peter Parker memes with the different Spider-Men pointing at each other. Okay. <clears throat> Somebody is going to draw that picture. You know that somebody's going to draw that picture. It's going to be three minions in suits pointing at each other in the Spider-Man meet. So this, this thing has become a thing. I mean, people are going out, and these 20-something kids are going out in formal attire. Now, it should be noted. you gotta, you got to look at the demographics of these things. These are the, these are the people who were kids when the Despicable Me series of films first started coming out. These kids have grown up with the Minions, and now here they are in their, in their early 20s, early to mid-20s, and they're going back to see the Minions again. From the article here, consider that a person who was seven years old when the first Despicable Me hit theaters in 2010 is now around the age of 19. After 2017's Despicable Me 3, the series has been on ice, taking a hiatus from theaters. With an extensive five-year wait between entries, some moviegoers who grew up on the series are eager to return to it. <clears throat> That's what adds to the meme, Obi explains. I feel like some people genuinely think that teenage boys are going out of their way to see the movie just to wear suits. Maybe some people are doing that, but I'm sure a majority of people in my generation, because we grew up with the Despicable Me movies, now have nostalgia and enough money to see it on our own. We'll be inclined to do so in our own way. It's funny to see how that turns into such a big trend. Okay, Obi's smarter than he, than he, than he might realize here. And this is something that I've told you guys. This is something that I've talked to, talked to, to this point. Brand loyalty counts for something. You get them young. That's why we see all of this now with the reading hours, let's call them. Right? Get them young. Get them young, get them indoctrinated, get them used to an idea, get them liking a certain product, liking a certain brand, and you will have a customer for life. That's, that's the, the goal of marketing. You want repeat customers. <coughs> you want brand loyalty. You want people who will keep coming back to what you sell. They will buy what you sell. Here's the new thing we sell. They'll come back and buy it again. Right? And it, planned obsolescence aside, if I have a widget, I'm going to get the younger people interested in the widget, get them to be early adopters in the widget, and then as they get older, they'll come back and they'll buy the new and improved widget. Or they'll buy the second in the series of widgets. They'll buy the, the retro widget. And they'll buy the steampunk widget. And they'll buy the poster of the widget. And they'll get the coffee mug of the widget. And, and, and the t-shirt and, and everything else. Widget related. You get them young. And you keep them. 
with this next point. And this is where Disney is going to fail. This is, this is the, the young, young man named Hearst. This is the guy in Australia. He says, obviously, I've watched all the films from my childhood. We wouldn't go if we didn't think the movie would be good. I don't usually go to see a kid's movie, but you get out of it what you put into it. But this, this one sentence right here, folks, if, if, there, if nothing else, if any of you are in Hollywood, working in Hollywood, listen to this. We wouldn't go if we didn't think the movie would be good. Pixar, are you listening? Hollywood... This is the lesson you need to learn. If, it's the, if this thing doesn't look like it's going to be good, I'm not going to spend money on it. And nobody else will either. I don't care what Rotten Tomatoes says. I don't care what the critics say. We all know that the critics are in the back pocket of the studios and they're going to say what the PR companies send them. Because they have to maintain the access. We want to keep going to those press screenings, those preview screenings, those early screenings. We want to be able to see it before anybody else does because we're in the club, right? I mean, Mrs. Boss and I are going to go see Thor Wednesday night before it opens theatrically. We're in the club because I get an email. It says, hey, we're going to have a preview screening. You want to come? Sure. It's access. And there are some media outlets that will say very nice things in order to maintain that access. That's how the game works. That's how Grace Randolph does what she does. That's how Scotty Mendelson over at Forbes does what he does. Fill in the blank. I mean, how many, how many different media outlets out there say nice things about Captain Marvel. I mean, look at the dogpile on Snyderverse. The studios didn't want the Snyderverse to exist anymore. They didn't want Zack Snyder to have the control of the DC films, so they dogpiled on Snyder. It was the fans that rose up and created this thing that came out of the water like a kraken. And then we get the Snyder Cut. But we wouldn't have gotten the Snyder Cut if they didn't have something to sell in HBO Max. Remember that. Warner Brothers recognized that they had an audience looking for a product and they were able to supply that product. This is, goes back to supply and demand. If they didn't have HBO Max to sell there would not be a Snyder Cut. But that's an audience-driven decision. And this is the same kind of thing. The audience sits there and they say, we think this is going to be good, whether it's the marketing that tells us or history of the, of the franchise that tells us this thing's going to be good. This looks like it's something we're going to enjoy, so we're going to go buy tickets for it. 
Lightyear did the exact opposite. People looked at Lightyear and they said, this looks like woke bunk. We're not going. Because Disney has proved themselves to be bad actors in the space. Lightyear didn't have Tim Allen. It didn't have the, the, the look and feel of the original Toy Story movies. It was completely unnecessary. There was this disconnect. Well, is it a Toy Story movie or is it not a Toy Story movie? And then you had Chris Evans coming out there insulting the audience. Like, well, if you, don't like the, if you don't like the lesbian kiss, then you're just going to die off like dinosaurs and poop, 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 right? That's not how you appeal to the audience. That's not how you attract customers. And you add that to the fact that 14 different countries outlawed Lightyear and said, no, we're not going to screen it here. And then down in South America, you had posters up in the windows at the ticket office saying, hey, this movie coming from America, it's promoting America gender identity values. You better watch out. You had warnings in other markets about the agenda that's in the movie. And the whole thing hinges around time travel in order to fix a mistake, correct a mistake, and and the results of this mistake are the lesbian couple don't get together. That's everything in this movie. People don't want that. And you can see that in the box office. Whether it's executed well or not, you know, there's people that sit there and say, oh, it's perfectly fine, it's okay movie and whatnot. But in the aftermath of everything that happened with Florida and the noise that the Pixar people made, people said, no, I'm done. I'm not giving the the Walt Disney Company any more of my money. That's one of the reasons why Doctor Strange 2 didn't make a billion dollars. People are getting tired of getting preached at. People, and I'm not saying Doctor Strange 2 preaches at you. I haven't seen it yet. But people are getting tired. Paramount recognizes that. Paramount comes out and they say, we're not going to put warnings on any of our stuff. This is an on-demand service here, Paramount Plus is, and it means on-demand, which means you, as the viewer, as the customer, you make your choice on whether or not you want to watch it. We're going to decide to let you be the grown-up. If you don't want to watch it, you don't have to watch it. But we're not going to put all these mamby-pamby little emotionally scarred trigger warnings on the front of this thing just because your feelings are going to get hurt if you watch this. You're choosing to watch it. It's on you. And I think that's one of the things that has contributed to the success of Top Gun Maverick. It's not preaching at anybody. It's not even going over the top with the heavy patriotism in the U.S. is so great. Right? We're not getting that. We're getting expert pilots. There's character arcs, character development. There's interaction between, there's emotions that go between these characters. And it's real and believable. And you get 
some phenomenal flying effects and stunt work. And Paramount, and it looks like Universal, understand what's going to bring people into the theaters. And this one sentence right here from Mr. Hurst is the core of it. We wouldn't go if we didn't think the movie would be good. People didn't think Lightyear was going to be good. And they didn't go. Now the other part of that is... Walt Disney Company, you're doing some stupid things. You're doing some stupid shenanigans. We're going to take our money elsewhere. And this is not the first time that people have done that. They did it, like I said, they did it with Solo. Solo crashed and burned because The Last Jedi burned a lot of fans. And I said at the time, and I've said it before... If Solo had been released six months later, it might have done better. But there were, pe- there were plenty of people that were still angry enough at what The Last Jedi did that they said, I'm done. I'm not going to see Solo. It's completely unnecessary. It's not Harrison Ford. I don't need this movie. I don't want this movie. I don't like what Star Wars is becoming. I'm done. The Walt Disney Company needs to learn this lesson, and they need to learn this lesson quickly. And in some parts, maybe they are. And now that Bob Chapek has got the unanimous decision from the board to re-up for three more years, maybe he starts swinging an axe and gets rid of all these activist people who are tearing his company down from the inside. The Walt Disney Company right now is a bucket of crabs. And every little piece of success that they have, what little success that they have, the Mandalorian, for example, is being pulled down by the Obi-Wan Kenobis in the bucket. I'm hearing good things about Ms. Marvel so far. I'm enjoying it. I'm only two episodes in. So far, it's it's pretty good. I'm not the demographic because I'm not 14. But it for what it is, it's pretty good. But for every Ms. Marvel, for every Captain America the First Avenger, you're going to get the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You're going to get that live-action Mulan that was shot next to a concentration camp. Disney continues to step in their own feces when it comes to this kind of stuff. And they need to learn fairly quickly. And maybe, maybe, Bob Chapik is ready to put on the boots and start, start slogging through all of this. Maybe. I don't know. Sci-Fi Snob says, Ms. Marvel is getting panned in some areas of the media. Well, maybe that means it's good for the audience. 
Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> hey, Mrs. Boss, I got a question for you. When... Well, if you want, when do you want to do um, your review of the uh, coffee brand coffee blend number two? Whatever. Whatever. Well, you know my intentions for it. Yeah, I, I, I know. So as long as because we can sit there and show me going through the process, but until it's completely cool. I mean, I can drink it while it's hot and give an opinion there, but since my wanting is to try it cold, I'm going to have to let it sit and cool. Uh-huh. So, I don't know how you want to best do that because I don't think we well, you know, if we can sit there and have people in the world have videos of going up escalators, maybe we should sit and have a video of the coffee cooling. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Uh Sci-Fi Stuff says, I'm surprised you and Tim like it. I saw the first episode and thought, man, not worth the time. I don't know what Tim thinks about it. Uh, uh Mindy and I have been watching uh Ms. Marvel. I don't know what Tim thinks uh about it. So uh but yeah we we need to do that. Uh we need to do that. That iced coffee review. By the by, speaking of which, I got a little concerned trolled over all of that. <laughs> we, saw you, we saw you reviewed Coffee Brand Coffee, this this Jeremy guy from the quartering. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to be associated with him? <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look, folks, everybody has got stuff in their past that can be used against them. I'm sure all of you out there, if you dig hard enough, there's little things out there that people say, hey, what's this thing here from 10, 12, 15, 20 years ago that you did this said to thing? Anyway, yes, we will be doing a review of Coffee Brand Coffee Blend Number 2 at some point in the in the future. Uh, Snipe says, what if the coffee cooling gets better reviews than this show? Well, you know, it'll be just like Tim Cast's chicken channel. Maybe, maybe that's what we do. We'll just put a, we'll put a camera on the coffee pot in the break room and we'll, cr and we'll create a, we'll create a, a new coffee for me channel and it'll just be the camera on the coffee pot the whole time. We'll see what happens. Maybe we do that. What do you think? Uh, you know, do that. Although, although coffee for me is taken in a number of different uh, iterations, so we might have to think of something else. Brew but, for you? huh? What? Brew for you. Brew for you. Well, maybe, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Don't forget tonight we are going to have a new installment discussion in the ranker pit i'm not sure exactly what we're going to be doing but because kenobi's over <clears throat> at least for now so we need to be talking about some stuff and then uh, uh and then thursday cameron pasha will be here we'll be talking about uh ms marvel and maybe get into some of the Chapek stuff, but he he kind of get in, he got into that rather extensively over at Midnight's Edge last Friday, so you can look for that. And you can look for us on a number of different 
social media platforms. We're on different video platforms. There's a newsletter that I haven't sent out and I don't know when. You can sign up for that. Add uh, the tip jar there from PayPal or Subscribestar if you want to send us money. You're always welcome to do that. But you're under no obligation. We're going to do this regardless. All right, that is it for us. Remember, we wouldn't go if we didn't think the movie would be good. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 